What are you doing? You've probably been asked that question a number of times in your life, and you probably asked other people that question. What are you doing? And what you do is important. But it's not all that matters. It's not just about what you do. But I think back to the things I've done in my life, some I like to forget, some I probably don't remember. But it's fun sometimes to think back to the days of great accomplishment in high school, especially in sports. And I think you would love to hear about that with my personal stories, wouldn't you? It's like they glaze over. I find this, that when you talk about those days, the older you get, the better you were. But none of that really matters anymore. remember looking at a second-place swimming medal. I thought, who knows and who cares? But it's not just high school. It's really about your entire life. So let's fast forward to the end of your life and you look back about what I did. What I did. The things I accomplished. What I achieved. What I built. A company I started. Money I earned. Bank accounts that I have saved in. And all the things that I did. You give it a little bit of time, and I can tell you this, that no one's going to know and no one's going to care. How will your life be evaluated? It's not just what you do. It's who you're bringing along. Because your life and accomplishment is not going to be measured by, I did this, I did this, I did this, I started this, I built this, I did this, I did this. That's gone. That's done. Not only is there a ceiling for what you can do, there's an end to it. But when you pour your life into another, it goes on for generations. This is our text this morning, and the point and the timing of this message is for a reason. I believe this, that the next six weeks can be and will be steps moving forward for this church. They're going to be exciting weeks. The text that we find here in context is 2 Timothy in chapter 4. This is a letter, it's the second one that we have of the Apostle Paul. He is probably in his 60s at the time, young guy. And he is speaking to a younger man who he has mentored along, whose name is Timothy. Paul is writing from prison. He's going to be executed not long from now. In fact, when you get into the later part of this, he says the time of my departure is at hand. And he will be beheaded for his faith. But he speaks with such encouragement. His, his hope is not dimmed at all. And he's writing to his young son in the faith. In other words, he is, he is been pouring into this guy for a very long time. 
So the title of the message is, as you see, it's not just what you do, it's who you are bringing along, who you bring along. These men met when Paul was younger, probably some 20 years before this. Paul, on his travels through the central part of modern-day Turkey, Asia at the time, was, was in his, one of his very first times met a young man who he decided to bring along. I'm going to bring him along. Now, Paul was, was not a novice, but he was pretty much young in the faith, so you'd say, well, I don't, I don't have enough to teach all this guy. He said, come along, come along. And so Timothy became his traveling companion. Paul had many traveling companions. This began a very long-term relationship and had a multiplying effect. Because even when you think about the Apostle Paul, if you say, what did he do? What did he do? There was a ceiling and there was a time limit. But the reason the gospel and Christianity exploded around the world, literally, at that time, and continues to this day, is because of who he poured into. And we see that. It's not just what he did. It's what he continued to do. So what is it that Paul did? <laughs> well, he did a lot of things. But he, he describes that in chapter 1, verse 11. And he says this, he says, And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. This is what he did. There are three distinctions there. So this is what he did. He was a uh, some of the translations you will read will say a preacher. He was a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. But who did he bring along? That's what he did. Who did he bring along? Well, he brought along Timothy. He brought along Titus. He brought along John Mark. He brought along Luke. And when you go to the end of a lot of these letters, you're going to say greetings to so-and-so, greetings to so This man poured his life into people. It wasn't about stuff. It wasn't about bank accounts. It wasn't about buildings. It wasn't about organizations or ministries. It was about people. This is why the Apostle Paul had such an incredible impact. It's not just what he did. It's who he brought along. And we see that philosophy really painted in the second chapter. So chapter 1, it says this is what he did. He was, a, he was a herald, an apostle, teacher. And the way that he did this, we see in, in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I love these verses because they, they describe what I believe is the way that it gets done. He says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will be also quali be qualified to teach others. Wow. Here's what he's saying. He said, okay, Paul, okay, Timothy, I want you to entrust what I've entrusted to you to reliable people who will be able to teach others also. You've got four generations there. Do you see when that starts happening, the power of ministry so when Paul's head is off in the prime of his life, so to speak, nothing's dead. 
It wasn't about his organization. It wasn't about what he was doing because all of that stopped. But it was carried on in Paul and Timothy. It was carried on in Titus. It was carried on in all these other people. And then they helped others, helped others. Let me tell you, just there's so many stories I could share with you. But here's one that's, it's, that you know. You know Jason and Molly. They're downstairs with the children uh, today, so I'm going to preach a really long message. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, now, Jason and Molly have been over at CU and uh, been ministering there now for the last five years. And this last year, over 50 students came to Christ, believing faith in Jesus this year. 50. 50 students. Now, that will, if, you, if you've been on CU's campus and you know... <laughs> that environment, that is, it's staggering. It's staggering. Now, five years ago, here you have a couple come. They, I mean, they're young. They're young. And they're, they're coming to a, oh, you're going to Boulder? You're going to Boulder? They come there, and uh, they, they led a guy, and I know this story because he led this guy to Christ named Hunter. Because Hunter, I've, I've met with Hunter. Hunter said, hey, can I have coffee with you? I said, he said, I just want to talk about life and growing as a Christian, blah, blah, blah. So I talked to Hunter. Well, you know what? The next year, Hunter led Nate to the Lord, and Nate, he wanted to meet with me. And then the year after that, you had Nate. I think it, it was Max who was saved. So I've, I've, I've been meeting with Jason. I've met with Hunter. I've met with Nate. I've met with Max. And then you got now Max is going to be a senior next year, and there are going to be other people that they're meeting. And they're, they're in a pretty easy place. They're in the Greek houses. Um, fraternities. You think, this is amazing. Now, the reason I'm sharing this is this summer, Jason and Molly decided not to go to the training. They, have, they train all their leaders in the summer. And he runs that. He usually, he runs it. And they spend the entire summer just, it's just full throttle. They decided this summer, we're going to take a break. They're not there. They're not there. What's going to happen? Well, they're having a normal summer. <laughs> you know, uh, they're they have a little vacation. They're getting out and doing some things. And let me tell you this. This ministry goes on not because of what he did. I mean, part of that is initiating this, but who he has invested in, the ripple effect. And you take that story everywhere that you go. This is the philosophy of 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. So now in particular, what did Paul do that he was entrusting to Timothy specifically? Because this, this isn't going to be for all of you, uh, but for some. It was the ministry of preaching, of preaching. And if you haven't figured out, that's what I'm supposed to be attempting this morning, <laughs> is preaching. Okay, this is our primary text this morning, and it's 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. I'm going to read this because I think it's just, it, it's powerful to describe what's happening. It says, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, he's writing to Timothy, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Okay, he's saying, I'm, I'm challenging you, Timothy. He knows he's going to be departing this life, so I'm giving you this challenge. Preach the word. Preach the word. And he's speaking about the word of God, the scriptures. He said, be prepared in season, out of season. In other words, when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. Preach the word. You're going to find that as he's writing, 
some people call him timid Timothy. You know, he needs kind of a, he needs a charge. He needs a challenge. He needs kind of a kick in the seat of the pants. Hey, don't, don't quit. Don't give up. And he says, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Well, is that true? Is that true today? If they don't put up with sound doctrine, what do they want? Instead, they suit their, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. <laughs> I think, wow. Now, most of us do that. We'll get friends around us to tell us what we want, what we want to hear. Do you ever do that? I'm going to get some advice from you. You know they're going to tell you just what you want to hear. He says, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. But, he says, but you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. In other words, your gospel preaching. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Now, we're talking about Paul entrusting and mentoring a young man, Timothy, particularly in preaching. You say, well, this message isn't for me. <clears throat> yes, it is. Let me, let me explain this to you. Every single one of you have been gifted as a believer by God to serve others. All of you. you say, well, I don't know what that is. Well, this is part of my challenge to you. Finding out what, what it is how God has gifted me and enabled me to be able to serve. And then, not only to do that, but to bring someone else along. Okay? If, if we were all preachers, there would be chaos here. Okay? If we were all musicians, we'd be chaos. If we were all just preparing food, um, that, that would be... Well, it depends. Okay. <laughs> but here's, there are many, many passages. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12. We have uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, but 1 Peter 4.10 says it just powerfully here. It says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards or managers of God's grace in its various forms. Let me say that again. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So my challenge is this. Recognize what I am to do, how I, how I serve, and to, to develop that, but to realize there's a cap and there's a time period. For what I do, whatever it is, the greatest way to have benefit when you look back on your life is who you've brought along. Who'd you bring along? And can I tell you this? That a lot of people never think about that. They just kind of go full throttle and then die. Full throttle and die. And they're done. So Paul describes himself as a herald preacher, an apostle, an apostle is someone who's sent directly by Jesus himself. So I don't believe we have modern-day apostles in the truest sense. Uh, we do have preachers, and it says a teacher. 
All these are part of this. So in verse chapter 1, verse 11, the gospel I was appointed to. So God's appointed me, a preacher. God's appointed you and something else. How did that happen for me? I can tell you this. I was minding my own business as a high school graduate. <laughs> and this guy used to bug me all the time. I've shared this probably with some of you to read my Bible. And I just I tried to get rid of him. So I finally started reading my Bible to say, I read my Bible. Lo and behold, God's word started changing my life. It was, it was amazing. I had just graduated from high school. I had zero ambition for anything in life. And except myself. And, and I started reading, and God started speaking to me through his word and changing my life. And I started getting excited about what he was doing in my life. And so that summer, the end of the summer, I was working at a, a secular, non-Christian camp. And there were, I was a counselor in a cabin, and I had 13 uh, boys who were going into the sixth grade that were studying to be safety patrols uh, through the highway patrol system in Maryland. And uh, I asked them if any of them would want to hear about my story. I didn't push it on any of them. And the next day, I had never spoken, I've told you this before, I've ne- I had never spoken in public before this, ever. I said, if you want to hear my story, meet me in the woods this afternoon at 2 o'clock. I thought, no one's going to show up. They all showed up. I could not breathe. I'm not exaggerating. I could not breathe. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I grabbed my Bible and I thought, well, John 3.16. I know that. And so I go up into the woods and, and I'm stumbling all over myself. And I tell them the story of Nicodemus and John 3.16, believing in Jesus. And I said, would anyone like to do that? They all raise their hands. Yes. I said, bow your heads again. And I, I did all this raise a hand thing because that's what I saw at church. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, 12 of those 13 boys trusted Christ as their Savior. And then I had another group come in. Same hap- thing happened. Another group. I had four groups. So by the end of a month, I had seen over 40 young people come to Christ. And then they started writing me letters about how they were growing and sharing their faith and talking to their parents and reading their Bible and praying. So I went from planning to go to college to study business to make money, like, you know, that's what you do, to I think I'd like to do this the rest of my life. I think... If I just had 13 boys every week for the rest of my life, I think I would love that. Because there is a, I have never been more excited in my life about anything that's ever happened than seeing someone come to Christ. So I'm at college registering for class, business administration, and I'm sitting out there asking my dad, what do I do? What do I do? And my dad said, I can't tell you what to do. And I said, I think I have to preach the gospel. I have to. I have to. That's all I can do. You know, I think back, that's 44 years ago. And I believe this, that it's a sacred appointment. Your appointment is no less sacred. Can Can I 
tell you that? Your appointment is no less sacred because God has gifted you to serve the body in the way that He has gifted you. And it's not just about what you do. It's who you are bringing along. So, what are some of these things? And I think that that when I when I think of all the ministries that are accomplished in this church and then a body, they're manifold. So, a pastor. What is a pastor? We've we've got pastors here in our church. We have elders. A pastor is the same word as elder, overseer, shepherd. And there are three things that a pastor does. Lead, that's oversight. Feed, that's teaching. And care for, the the spiritual needs of the flock. For me personally, what God has put me into is my primary role as an elder of this church is for the preaching and teaching ministry of this church. That's what I do. And I love to do it. I do not feel equal to the task. I feel overwhelmed every Sunday. This is what I do. Okay. And I plan to continue doing this. But the real question is, who am I bringing along? Who am I bringing along? And the church needs to recognize this. For your pastor to be effective, it's not just what I do on Sunday You need to ask, Pastor, who are you bringing along? And it's not because I'm checking out. It's because this is the process that Paul was doing his whole life. But see, Paul didn't all of a sudden say, man, I'm about ready to lose my head. Hey, uh, hey, who can fill in for me? No. He'd been doing this from the beginning, pouring into lives, pouring into lives, pouring into lives. And so what happens now is they're they're all kinds of guys. (laughs) They're stepping up. Churches and in a panic because there have been plenty of people that have been, been preparing. So what is, uh, you know, and I think that when you say, I'm, not, I'm just going to preach until I die. And so a guy just preaches 40, 50 years, preach, 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 and then he dies. And you're like, what do we do? What do we do? We need to find a preacher. Uh, let's see, where do we go? New York, uh, Ohio. Anybody know a seminary? Anybody, you know anybody we can get? And then you bring a guy in and another guy in, another guy in, say, oh, I don't know, I like him, do I like him? Listen, the church ought to be putting out, putting out preaching constantly. Just like gifts of service and teaching and ministry and helps and children's ministry and, and, and counseling and caring and crisis management and community service and everyone here be doing that. I have so much here. I'm skipping through a lot. I have so much I want to say to you. I'm so excited. Preaching is, and I wrote this as kind of my definition, preaching is, this is what preaching is. It is gospel present uh, or proclamation. It is gospel proclamation, declaring, teaching, correcting, encouraging, and calling people to decision. It's different than teaching teaching you're you're instructing people and, and and teaching is always part of preaching but 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 preaching is you confront you challenge you encourage you expose you help and you're calling people to decision 
And not everyone, not every elder does that preaching. They're all teachers. They're all apt to teach. And you're using God's Word. John Piper put it this way, I think three dimensions of preaching. The goal of preaching is the glory of God. That's the goal. And, and, and it should be for, for, uh, for me, for you, anything we do, the supreme goal of everything we do is the glory of God. I don't preach for you. I don't preach for your community. I don't preach to be heard on the radio. I don't preach to say to people, oh, I really like that sermon. I preach for the glory of God. The goal of preaching is the glory of God. The ground of preaching is the cross of Christ. We preach Jesus. Crucified, buried, risen again. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is, where, is the answer to every single problem in this life. We preach Jesus. And the gift of preaching is the power of the Holy Spirit. The enabling ability is of God to preach or to serve. And that's why when it says, whatever gift you have, it's done the same way. It's for God's glory. It's Christ is central to it. And it's by His Spirit. And it is based upon Scripture. It's always preaching the Word, preaching the Word, preaching the Word. Now, sometimes we have this conversation, is it deductive or inductive? And I don't want to get, try to get too complicated, but, but meaning this, that do I preach the Word by making a biblical statement and developing it? That's deduction. I make this, I read this verse and I explain it and I challenge you. Or I start with where you're living. We don't even get to the Bible yet. And that's where a lot of people are in Boulder. <laughs> you're not going to come, to a lot of them, you're not going to say, okay, the Bible says this. They can say, well, I don't believe the Bible. But, but you, and Jesus was this, a master at this. He, and, and Paul at Athens was taking people where they are and leading them to Jesus through the word. So whether you're leading to the Word or from the Word, the Word is central. I, I use the term expository preaching, exposing the text. Exposing the text. Everything I say should be supported by Scripture, by the Word. The Word has power. The Word transforms our lives. There's so many different ways of doing this. Propositional preaching, apologetic preaching, which means reasoning with skeptics. Theological preaching, book studies, biographical narratives, poetic books. It could be exposing a word, a phrase, a verse, a paragraph, a chapter, or whatever. And it always comes through our human personality. In other words, unfortunately, this is what you get. You get the Word of God coming through Matt Olson's personality. Say, ah, oh. that's why when Craig Waters preaches, it doesn't sound the same. That's a good thing. He doesn't try to be like me. I'm not trying to be like him or Josh, or Jason, or Paul, or anybody else that will preach. It is truth through human personality, Phillips Brooks. I was asked this, uh, this really good question. Who are your favorite preachers? Um, and this is, most of, most of them are, are dead. <laughs> but here's the truth. Most of the authors I read are also dead. And the more I read, the more I like going back to the dead guys. Some of my favorite, Billy Graham. You know, young people don't hear him like when I heard, but when I, when I heard him as a kid, I mean, I, I, it's like, wow. 
the power of God upon that man, the clarity, the precision of the gospel, the appeal for people to come to Christ. Oh, just gives me goosebumps. J. Vernon McGee, he was a homespun Bible teacher. Listen to him on the radio. My grandmother was saved listening to him when she was in her 70s. John Piper, he's kind of the old Puritan form, constantly speaking the glories of Christ. John MacArthur, verse by verse. He's just going to go verse by verse. Never in the Old Testament. Not a lot of application, but verse by verse. You pick any book, you can get on there and listen to him. Incredible exposition of the Scriptures. D. James Kennedy, a theological mind. Al Mohler, worldview and, tr- and cultural applications of Scripture. Adrian Rogers, practical outlines. And Chuck Swindoll, gets inside your soul and illustrates things. Probably my favorite uh, living one right now is Ravi Zacharias. Um, I listen to this podcast a lot because Ravi just, he, he, he's able to engage a secular culture with respect. He's kind, but he's just so articulate with the truth. And he's, and he's always doing things on Harvard campus or CU campus, or he's out there speaking to unbelievers and he's, he's doing it in a, in a masterful way. I admire all of those guys. I don't want to be like any of them. They don't want to be like me. I, I, I learn from that. And, and I constantly want to work at being better at what I do. I'm not happy with my preaching, okay? One of the most painful things I do is listening to myself on sermon audio or uh, online. I, I, did you ever do that before, listen to yourself? It's almost as painful as looking at yourself in pictures. But... It's hard, but, but I want to learn, I want to improve, I want to love His Word more, to have more passion about it, to communicate it in better ways, to learn. I learn from the young guys. I hope they can learn some things from me. And He has appointed me. The work of preaching for me, and I know I'm, I'm skipping through, so I apologize, Paul, for skipping through some things here, but uh, at another time, I'll, I'll circle back around. You, you get to see more of me. Uh, the work of preaching for me, after Sunday morning, I'm drained. I'm just, I, I mean, I walk out of here, I, I mean, I, I'm physically, mentally, emotionally drained. And it, it's, it's both very fulfilling, doing what I'm doing right now, and very draining. It's hard to describe. I don't think about next Sunday until after the Broncos game. By the way, I think it's time to start some football, don't you? I mean, it's like... (laughs) But almost after the Broncos game is over, I'm thinking about next Sunday and the work that goes into preparing, to study, to prepare, to pray, to work it through my own soul, my own life, to do all the exegetical work, the study, the, the languages, the translations, the outline, the application, trying to figure out how do I communicate this in a better way. It is an all-consuming work. It's a great privilege. It is a great privilege. I, I feel so blessed to be charged with this. I feel so blessed to be a part of this church. But I also feel an incredible weight. It is like a weight. And so that's why he says, endure hardship to Timothy. Preach the word. So it's not just what we do, it's who we bring along. And this relates to the future of our church. Um, I've been doing this now for 44 years. 
Lord willing, I'll do it for another 30. Now, in 30 years, my prayer is I'm still preaching. Probably not the main one here, uh, because that would be really hard on you. (laughs) But I'm still in some context with Valley, in some context, in some way, investing in young guys and having platforms and occasions where I can preach the Word, okay? Because that's just, that's what God made me to be. And that is my prayer. In the meantime, I want to invest in the who, in the who, and for you to understand that. And so the fact that I'm having surgery this next week, it'll be out for six weeks, um, to me, we're prepared for that. I meet every week with three young men, say they're young. Paul, He's been preaching now for 20 years, not regularly like I do. Josh has been preaching for over 20 years. Jason has been preaching for over 15 years. We meet every week. We talk through the sermons. I let them evaluate my sermons. That's painful. What do you guys think? I learned something from them because they understand context of millennials. I'm not there. I'm a boomer. People don't even know what that is anymore. <laughs> We're like relics. So, so, but, but my, my, passion, my passion for Valley is we are reaching millennials. They help me with that. How do you, how do you connect? You, ha- you, have, you have the infallible eternal word and you have where people are living today. So they help me. We go over my message. Now we're going over the next series. We're going to preach a series on Psalms, on refreshing your soul the next six weeks. That's why I believe this, that we're going to be, we continue to talk every week. We're going over the sermons. We're evaluating them together. I'm, I'm pouring into these guys. And so what happens is when things like this happen for a church, it's all right. We're not, we're not wringing our hands. We're not in a panic. This is good because this is what we do. And this is the time where our church, my prayer is we move forward. In everything, not just preaching, but may we have this mindset in hospitality, teaching, giving, children's ministries, recovery groups, Bible studies, outreaches to our community, music, setup, teardown, refreshments, organization, administration, special needs, crisis counseling, refreshments, visits to hospitals, prisons, schools, community centers, missions, disaster relief. But God's called you some way but not just to do it. It's not just what you do. It's who you're bringing along. Who you bring along will be the most rewarding thing you do in your life. I promise you. I look around myself. Now, I look at my, I laugh about my high school days, you know, it's like a joke. Okay, but now in my adult life, you kind of think, well, here's what I did. You know what? Everything I did is going to go away. The question is not what I did. It's who who I have brought along. So three ways you can pray, and I'm, I'll close in prayer. Pray for me. God would accomplish all His will in my life. I'm kind of excited about this because I think God's at work in my life. I'd love to see him heal my body. (laughs) 
But there are more important things right here in the soul. And God's been leading up to this and doing some incredible things in, in my life. I'm very excited about this. So pray that God would accomplish all that. Pray for Paul. Pray for Josh and for Jason and for Craig as they preach. And encourage them. Support them. Pray for them. And pray for yourself. Would you do that? Lord, show me what you want me to do. And Lord, show me who I need to bring along. Father, we thank you for this example of mentoring of Paul and Timothy and how it is so appropriate for this time in our church. I pray, Lord, that these next six weeks, beginning with baptism next Sunday, will be the best weeks of our church's history. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.